You are listening to episode seven of the Industrial Tradition podcast. Today we get to talk to Brittany. She is a stay-at-home mom, a welder's wife. She also owns a small business making welding caps straight from her home with her kids right in the mix. So I think you guys are going to love this episode. I do have to quickly apologize for the audio I'm not for sure exactly what happened, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it. You can still understand everything that we said, and I really just wanted to keep this recording because it was so great, but I do want to apologize ahead of time. So sorry about that, but I hope you guys can make it through and listen because I loved getting to chat with Brittany, and I think that her story is just one that can touch a lot of different people. We believe that ordinary people's stories are the ones that need to be told. We want to meet you in the trenches of everyday life and say, me too. Pipeline families, farmers, ranchers, makers, mothers, mechanics, truckers, welders, and alike are all welcome here. Industrial Tradition is a brand dedicated to celebrating you and the way you live life. I'm Kayla, creator of Industrial Tradition and your host. I love that our community is filled full of people with tough roots and wild dreams. This is our community kitchen table. Show up here to talk shop, tell soul-filled stories, share your best advice, and shake hands with folks living on hard work and faith, just like you. Hey, Brittany. Hi. It's so good to have you on today. Thank you for chatting with us in such short notice. Like, we just planned this last night. It's like, oh, it's a holiday. Like we have time. Let's do it. So I'm I'm totally used to the last minute thing. It's living with my husband. It's always last minute something. So I know it's honestly just better. Like sometimes it can be more stressful, but sometimes it's just easier. There's less things that come up. If you do it last minute, it's hard to plan. It's hard to plan. And I'm a big planner. So it's really hard to plan with his schedule and everything else, I never know one day or the next, whether he's going to have a day off or if he's got to work or how late he's going to work. So it's just kind of a go as you go. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and you know, that's how we live our life. I mean, it's just, there's no way around it. I think you were the one who asked last week, whenever I had like people ask questions about how I was like doing scheduling with like business and stuff. Wasn't that you? Yes. And you'll hear the podcast. It'll come out next week. But I was like, I kind of laughed because I know that by the textbooks and like even what I know is my most productive is not what I'm doing right now. But it's like, I have to have that balance of what works, but also what's reality for our lifestyle. And reality for this lifestyle is like last minute and you don't really know, like, are you going to get a Sunday off or you're not, you know? So we definitely well, live where I'm trying to juggle the caps and home and, and life. My son plays football and then I've got a two year old who is incredibly active. And then my husband's schedule and trying to make sure I get caps out on time. Yeah. And I'm doing it all by myself at that, you know, and I'll right. get two, $300 orders sometimes. And it's, <laughs> that's crazy. I want to jump into that too. So we kind of tried a little bit before this and we decided we're just going to kind of go like, I don't know, in order, like timeline order. And so yeah. let's kind of start at the beginning. And then I definitely want to chat about the caps because I'm so curious and I want you to be able to talk about that and jump into all that. But where did kind of like, if you want to talk a little bit about your childhood or maybe like just early adulthood? I had a pretty rough childhood and I decided early in high school that I was going to be a welder. 
And I really didn't have a whole lot to live for, I didn't feel like. So I was going to go as hard as I could. And I wanted to be an underwater welder. It's oh, wow. it's one of the roughest. And I would have, I love welding and I love water. So it was going to be one of those things that I was going to love to do. It was going to be hard on me as a, as a human being, right. but I didn't care. I, you know, I didn't want kids. I didn't want that life. I was just going to live for myself and go on. And straight out of high school, I got pregnant. Okay. And it kind of, it turned my life and I joke, I laugh and maybe not joke. Maybe I'm slightly serious, but I tell everybody that my son saved my life. Mm. He, he gave me a reason to slow down, back up, think about things and go on. I didn't give up. I didn't give up welding. I ended up going to college after he was born in Moorhead, Kentucky. And I ended up going there for welding, just a slightly less dangerous form. (laughs) Right, right. And I met my husband there. We had a bunch of guys there conspired to put us together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it worked. They were right. (laughs) That's awesome. It, It was funny. They cornered me and they said, we have someone you need to date. And I said, well, I'm with someone. They're like, no, when you leave him. And I was like, are you planning this? We know what's going to happen. <laughs> That's so funny. Sometimes the people around you almost know you better than you, right? And not very much longer after that, we ended up. And those, that's one of my favorite stories to tell is how that all went down. It's, yeah. It's sort of defines us as who we are. Both of us went, we're going into welding and then we moved to Moorhead together. And I made the decision that I was going to go to school for engineering instead. It was a little less dangerous. Mm-hmm. So my son was in daycare. I was working two jobs. One was actually two hours away from where we lived. Oh, my God. And then there was one that where we lived. And then I was attending college and had my son in daycare. And the jobs were not paying for the daycare and the school and everything else. And then he would get mm-hmm. sick at daycare and I'd have to miss everything. Right. So that was about the time that we made the decision for me to just stay home. And that was just how I started to be a stay-at-home mom. That's crazy. You know, it's so hard. I don't know how long you did it, but I don't know how you did it at all. Like I went to college, but it was like I didn't have kids. You know what I mean? Like I just had to take care of myself and that was hard enough. So I can only imagine how hard that was. You're so strong to be able to do that. It was incredibly stressful and we saw a lot of hard times and we finally, we were just like, I think the breaking point was I had an accident. I was going to pick my son up from my mom and some lady ran out in front of me and totaled my car. And that was the last straw. We decided that I was just going to stay home and I was going to learn how to drive a standard truck and we were going to get by on what we could get by on. (laughs) Yeah. Was it a pretty clear decision for you after like that accident? And you said like your son changed your life. Like I'm sure that you valued life more. It sounds like, was it a hard decision to like, since you had always worked and worked so hard to go home or did you feel like this is where I'm supposed to be? Like, this is a job. I'm good. It was hard for me to let go of the fact that he was working And I was at home. I did not feel like I was contributing. It took a long time. And sometimes I still feel that way. Even with the business, I still feel like I'm not quite contributing to my fullest potential. Mm -hmm. Like the house will be dirty when he comes home or something after a particularly long day or something. And I'll get down on myself because I, I feel like I'm not doing enough, even though I'm probably doing too much. Right. Yeah. You're probably doing too much 
and not even taking the time to take care of yourself, but yet there's still stuff falling. So you feel like it's on you. I think that that's really common for, from what I understand, like stay at home moms and like work at home wives or whatever, whatever the business is, it seems like such a common thread that like we, maybe as women, I think guys probably do it too, but I feel like as women, like we harbor a lot of like guilt about the things that we leave and don't get done or whatever. It, it, it is. And with her being, with the two-year-old being so active, she's constantly into everything. And I'm trying yeah. to juggle what I have to do and make sure that she's not, you know, knocking the TV over on herself or something. <laughs> right. So how old is your, like, what's the age gap in your my kid? Son, my son is eight years old. My daughter is two. Okay. So a little bit of an age gap. So yeah. he's in like school. Does he go to public school? Yes. Okay. Okay. So after you decided to stay at home, he finished, like he was still in the welding program at that point, right? Oh, he had graduated a year before I. Okay. Okay. Yep. And about a year before I decided that I had switched from welding to engineering. Yes. So did you finish that? I did not get to finish it. Okay. Taking care of my son was more important. Right. Maybe someday I'll get to go back and do it. But right now the kids were, were where I needed to be. Right. Right. I don't love that you had to make the decision. I love that you were able to like see what was most important to you at that moment because I had a friend text me the other day and she was like had some guilt around like where she was spending her time. And I said, I think that if you feel like the kids need to go to daycare or whatever and you need to do your own thing, then that's fine. But at the same time, you will never regret spending more time with your kids. You will only regret not spending time with them whenever they were younger. So I think that you're never going to spending more time with them and waiting on your thing. I don't think a parent would ever regret that. And that's the one thing that I tell everybody. I have absolutely no regrets in life because the decisions that I made yesterday have put me where I am today. And I I think it's almost foolish to have a regret for something because, you know, I wouldn't be where I was today if I'd have never made the decisions. I wouldn't have my son or my husband. Right. Yeah, my exactly. So okay. So then what was kind of like the next step? Like what was the next like big thing that you guys kind of went through or that happened in the sequence of events after you started staying home? I tried several different things to make myself feel better. I tried MLM, you know, like things like Avon and stuff like that. Right. I tried to do little things like that. And where we live in small communities, Mm-hmm. those really don't usually pan out very well mm-hmm. because nine times out of 10, there's already an Avon lady and you're not going to be able to outsell her. Right. She's at her base. And then I tried selling things online. Like I did wood burning crafts and, and things of that nature. And they never really quite caught on. I made my husband his first cap probably five years ago. Okay. Maybe. That was a while ago. Yeah. And it looked awful. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We all have anybody who's ever started a business or done created anything. You all have those things where you started, right? I actually ended up turning it into a Father's Day gift for him last year. I took that and a couple pockets off a really old shirt and I put the kids' handprints and some sort of saying, I can't remember what. So that I wouldn't, I, it was, it was both a gift for him and so that he wouldn't wear it out of the house again. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's cool though, to keep it alive, you know, a little bit, because it is part of the process. You have to create the first thing to keep creating it. I never really expected it. I expected to just make it for him. 
I had played around with the idea of selling them, but I look at it then and know that there was no way somebody was going to want to buy that. <laughs> and he was driving, I think it was an hour and a half to work every day. And we made the decision to move. We uprooted. We had lived for five years in Moorhead, Kentucky, and we decided to uproot everything and move back to his hometown closer to his job. Mm-hmm. And we took a huge risk on that. Mm-hmm. And we got here and actually things got easier for us. And I acquired a new sewing machine. I was able to kind of take it easy for a little bit and just play around with the calves. And then I got them to where I thought I liked them then. And a couple of the guys that he works with liked them and they wanted to buy some. And it just, it started the ball rolling and it was kind of slow. And within the last year, it's exploded. (laughs) If that makes sense. so exciting. (laughs) That's so exciting. I tweaked my design a little bit and now I have too much. <laughs> oh no, you're going to have to start charging more for this <laughs> to keep your orders under I control. I don't know what I'm going to have to do. So I'm going to have to get a better system or I'm going to have to hire somebody to come sit with my kids or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so exciting though. Cause it kind of sounds like you've always been a little bit of an entrepreneur you know, having that thing where you've created things and try to sell it. And like you tried the MLM thing and, so that's, ex- I'm so excited for you that it's like taking off. I think that one of the best ways for people to start businesses, especially like handmade businesses is to create things and the market will tell you what they want. And just like how you, you tried other things, but like, this is what, you know, what people caught on to and what people they're telling you, like, we want you to make these, which is just so cool. And that was it. I was selling them locally and it was, it was kind of doing okay. And then I sold some to a couple welder wives and then I opened up my Facebook page and I started advertising it, paying a little bit for the advertisements because I I had the extra money from selling to the welder wives and it sort of exploded from there. And we've got the guy rebuilding my husband's welder. He's real big on Instagram and he's ordered some off of me. I have another welder repair business out of Oklahoma who's ordered 52 off of me. This is the second order. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome. That is and, so exciting. And so it's just kind of, it got ahead of me. It's almost overwhelming sometimes. I bet it, yeah, I bet so. Especially if like you were building it and building it and then it took off. It's like, that's almost what you want. But then because it comes on so fast, it's like, how do you manage and, you know, you kind of get like, that was my point in asking you is how do you manage, you know, the business itself plus life. And Mm -hmm. I'm having, I'm having to learn how to manage the money and the the advertisement and the business aspect of it. And it's right. I don't have any business background. This is totally new to me. A lot of this is just (laughs) right. Yeah. And there is so much to learn. Like those of us that didn't grow up with parents that were in business. I mean, my family had a farm, but like it wasn't like a big business where they were like dealing with customers and like that type of thing. And there's so much to learn. It's so overwhelming. And I think I've told you before, like I'm an open book, ask me anything because I have just been so grateful for the people that are willing to do that for me. And if I can take like a year of information that I've learned and give it to you in like 30 minutes, then like I want to do that for people because it's just, 
It's so much information. And like, especially now with social media, there's so many things to like keep up with. And like, you know, whenever you're busy, do you continue to market? Like, how do you still show people like, I'm still doing this. This is the work that I'm doing without attracting too many orders that you can't get to soon enough to make your customers happy. Like that's a very fine balance. I find myself not updating my page as much when I want things to slow down because like recently I updated for two days. I let the pictures kind of, I scheduled the posts Mm -hmm. and just kind of let them roll in every two hours because I had a lot to update, but I was still somewhat behind. Well, the updates come in and I got four or five more orders because somebody (laughs) saw a captain like, and, (laughs) and I try to throw in updates that aren't about, my welder's caps either because mm-hmm. we also work on a couple classic trucks and cars mm-hmm. and then we have antique tractors that we also do and so I try to integrate those into it right to keep the page busy mm-hmm. without <laughs> yeah I know and it's hard too because I think that another decision that people have to make and I think that this might even change depending on like what season of life you're in is do you want to scale? Like, do you want it to get bigger? Because people right now are telling you like, it's a possibility if you want it, but you have to really look within yourself and say, is that right for me? Is that right for our family? Is that something that I want, you know, the stress of and to deal with that? I think that's another decision that like people have to make. And that can be hard sometimes because, you know, nothing's for sure, like especially in business. So it's like, what's the best decision, you know? we struggle with that right now. Like we're at the point where I really could use some help, but like there's not necessarily enough money for it to be like a full-time help. So it's like, where do you put the help? And you really need somebody that's like a jack of all trades because you can only hire one person, you know? So that's really tough to grow. And I still haven't figured that out. I don't know what the answer is. I'm hoping throughout this podcast, we can get some business owners on here that can like help us that they're at the beginning of our journey, right? what they did and like what their thought process was, you know? Well, where I'm at this point now where it would be beneficial to me to have pre-made caps done, things that I can just package up as soon as the order comes in and send out. Yeah. And trying to get time in between making the custom orders Mm -hmm. to also throw down some pre-made ones that nobody's ordered. And then I've been told to, you know, everybody's asking for websites. Yeah. And I don't have a website. I've got my Facebook page. I take all my orders off of there, but I know at some point I'm going to have to jump to a website because I'm not going to be able to field all of that by myself anymore, at least not through Facebook. Yeah. No, it would probably be easier for you even now to put orders through either like Etsy or through your website just so that you could have better like lists of stuff and not have to like go through Facebook messages and all that type of thing. I've started using Squarespace for all of our websites. I don't know if you've checked that out or not, but it has helped me be able to get websites out much faster. I'll have to check that out. I haven't I haven't really looked into doing a website just yet. Yeah. The hurdle of actually getting those pre-made caps has been something I've set my mind on, but I've probably just focused on one thing and I shouldn't be. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I like that idea. Like I think that like you could come up with just like some basic colors and be able to, I'm sure that type of thing is like a lot of other work where it's faster to make them whenever you just sit down and make multiple ones at one time, like whenever you batch kind of work. Yep. And so I'm sure that that would be good. And there's a lot of guys who like, 
like Austin and a lot of his friends, like they like this solid color, either like white or, you know what I mean? Like a navy or something like that. That's been my biggest seller is the solid white caps. They, yeah. they actually, they really like those. And every now and again, they'll get like a color stitching or something. Mm-hmm. But it's fun when someone throws in something a little crazy because it breaks the monotony of, of the white sure. caps. <laughs> I know. And oh, Lord be with all those people that are making those whites white because I can tell you what, I swear, I spend so much time every week trying to do that. And then Austin decided that he was going to get these like, He's always worn like white tees, like under his shirt or like under his welding shirt, whatever. We decided he was going to get like these Carhartt, like white t-shirts. They're a little bit thicker. And so, yeah, I'm sure they're lasting longer, but they're more expensive. And so now it's like even more pressure to get them white. And I'm like, <laughs> you are stressing me out. <laughs> I am like, my whites are just overloaded. That was ultimately what led up to meeting you. Was I went to the wife of the welder cage because I was looking for somebody to tell me how to get his clothes clean. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. That's funny. It's I been would like- find somebody to tell me what you use because I have done everything. I don't know what to do. I know. And I sometimes... Scrub the spot and it still won't come out. What do I do? Yeah. I'm like, what type of torture? Who's brainiac idea was it that oh we're gonna have the people who do the dirtiest jobs wear the lightest color clothes I do not understand and Austin's like it's cooler and it's like not cooler as in like I'm cool but like as in heat yeah yeah. and that's also why he says that he wants to wear these khaki pants which I can't get on board with because I feel like it looks like he's wearing a uniform and I'm just not a fan that's besides (laughs) the point I get it. And like, I want him to wear whatever is like comfortable. Like he's the one doing the thing, but oh my gosh. And then I'll leave and like, he'll wash them and he won't do all the things. So then half the time I feel like I'm playing catch up on like the stains that he let set in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But my husband, he works in the power plants in the mines in our local area and he has to wear high vis everything. So it super stands out. Yes. And we've got coal mines that he'll work in and uh, he will come home black at night. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I Austin's like, well, it's better than whenever I used to work on the drilling rigs. And I'm like, true, true. Because that was the worst. you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's just like covered in oil and stuff. So it is better than that. But sometimes it's just so much mud and then we're in the camper and I have this small washing machine and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I'm like soaking stuff in the shower. It's just like we too were, much. We were laughing at your story the other day of all his pants on the hangers. <laughs> oh, the starch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We came home and we're like lugging three laundry bags to the cleaners, which I'm just like, you know what? I love it because I don't have to do it. You know what I mean? Like he's obsessed oh, with it. And at home, it's the cheapest you can get. And it's the best. Yeah. So it's just I, funny I, because I it was, was doing the, starching for, mm. for, for a little while and then my hands would get tired because I buy a spray bottle and I thought about getting one of those weed sprayers, the ones with the pump, yeah. just to spray clothes down with because I wasn't certain. I actually went and bought one of those ones that was on Austin's video that one day. I was going to say that thing actually really changed the game. And I used to, like, whenever in North Dakota, I tried to start his stuff for a little bit because it was so expensive up there. And I was like, I'm going to get carpal tunnel. Like, this is ridiculous. And then he bought the little press. And I'm like, why is it whenever you start doing something, you just automatically buy the tool that, like, makes it easier? 
But whenever I do it, I just like suffer through it for days and weeks and months and years, you know? (laughs) He laughed. He heard you say that. Yeah. Because it's true. <laughs> like Austin started doing this video stuff and he's like, I mean, we're definitely going to need a new camera. And I'm like, listen here, I have been doing this with this thing for two years. You can make it work. <laughs> oh man. That's so funny. That's how I feel about my sewing machines. I've got one I want, but it's like, it's over a thousand dollars. It would mm-hmm. do better. I would probably get taps out a lot faster. Right. But I'm all- through with it right now until I have the money. I know it's tough. And then he's over here buying himself a a pipeliner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shoot. That's funny. So has he always worked? Like you said that one time it was like an hour and a half drive. I mean, has he always worked near home or has he ever traveled out to work? Uh, A couple, was it a couple months ago, he traveled to Alcoa, Indiana for two weeks, I think. But that was our first experience of him ever traveling, and it mm-hmm. didn't last long. Yeah. We've talked about him traveling, He's, but it's not really on the table right now. He wants to stay home with the kids. Yeah. He watch the kids grow up. And we've joked that it was sort of our retirement plan, us going on the road after the kids are grown up, and I'll go be his helper and travel and kind of do our thing there. Then. Yeah. Do you guys still talk about that? Yeah, every now and again. I think I've heard of some people doing that before, like they were younger parents. And so they did, whereas like, we're kind of doing an opposite from you guys. Like we've waited to have kids, you know what I mean? But I've heard of people doing that. And to me, that just sounds like so much fun, especially knowing now that you are interested in that and totally are down with like that type of work. I mean, that would be fun to do together. It would be. In college, we used to work together. Just little things like we would go work for a farmer or something, just doing Mm -hmm. stuff. We get along well when we work together and it's fun. That's awesome. We we keep each other on our toes. So we kind of look forward (laughs) that we can kind of take off and go do our own thing. That's awesome. I think obviously it's because what we do, a lot of like younger kids, they're just like, okay, that's what I want to do. Like I want a pipeline. I want to travel. And I try to like, It's really not for everyone, but I love welding as a trade. And that's what I want people to focus on is getting that skill and that trade that will carry them through life and then be able to find jobs that work for them in that season of their life in their family or whatever. And I just think that that's that's important. We've talked about that even with our children. We said, you know, we were willing to support them, whatever decision they make, whether they wanted to go to school, they can be a doctor, lawyer, whatever they want to do. Mm Mm-hmm. But we are going to insist that in college and post-secondary or whatever, we insist that they take a trade. That way they have something to fall back on yeah. because there's going to be a need for trades. Yes. And they have a way to work their way through college and pay their way through life. Yeah. Better than what, like just any old, like, you know, part-time or minimum wage job is going to do for them. Right. Yeah. You know, like, when the kids are in high school there, if they want to work, you know, McDonald's or something, that's fine. I perfectly agree with that's where, you know, the, that kind of stuff, that small stuff mm-hmm. like that. Our kids will end up, we intend on starting our own welding business at some point. Our, our kids will probably end up helping with that. But. <laughs> I want people to become aware of like, there's more options than pipeline. And they're, you know, they might be better for you. You know, everyone's different. Okay, so you've been a stay-at-home mom, started the CAPS, and then you had your daughter two years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. 
So did that kind of change? But you've like kept the cat thing going, obviously, through all of that. It's changed a little bit. It got a little harder for me. I deal with postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing that I have to learn to manage on top of everything else. Yeah. Because that alone all by itself is something that needs to be managed. And it's it's a job just trying to manage that. For sure. (laughs) For sure. I talk about that. It's coming out this next week, but Austin interviewed me last week for the podcast and I talked about, I got into like a bad depression whenever we were in North Dakota after I started traveling. And I know it's a little bit different, but it's the same type of like mental thing. And it's so hard. It's so hard. And I talked about that a little bit in that episode about what kind of like helped me come out of it and what what it was like to be there because that's another thing is I don't know about like within y'all's relationship but it was always really Austin's like a super happy-go-lucky person like super optimistic like he doesn't struggle with any of that and so even though he wanted to understand he wanted to be there it's just you can't totally grasp it unless you've been through it and so that's really difficult and I agree that it takes a lot of conscious choices to continue to fight it and to continue to work on it and show up for yourself and not just for your family. And, and that's, you know, I try to explain the way and and he, he tries to understand, but I myself can't even explain, you know, why are you crying? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I really have no idea. Right. (laughs) Just here. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's here and it won't go away. I totally, I mean, like I said, I haven't had kids, but I have struggled with that and it is so difficult. So you guys have talked about a welding business. Is the farm life part of like your plan or do you just like living in rural areas? The farm life is part of our plan. We're working towards at some point buying a house and we have a piece of the land, the old family land Mm -hmm. picked out where we're going to put a house out. And at some point we're going to, I, I love cows. <laughs> Same. We're going to end up doing cow versus I, I used to show fair calves in high school and I, I was big through FFA. Mm-hmm. And so I want my kids to have that experience. And I like, you know, I want to have a, a cattle deal and I want to have some horses and, you know, we've already got the chickens. My daughter loves her chickens. <laughs> oh, that's fun. We have some of the same background that I showed as well. And that's one of the hardest parts about traveling for me is like I miss like living in the rural area and like being around the animals and all that type of thing. So you were talking about crazy goals. So is this kind of like what you're talking about? Like the farm, possibly like a welding business. Is that kind of like where you see yourself continuing to do the caps, assuming because you like doing that, right? So just kind of wrapping that all up into like one bigger brand probably. Yeah. When I say crazy, I meant crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's like such a large thing and it's still kind of in the talking phase because mm-hmm. we're still waiting on his welder to come back and we're just not in a position at the moment to say, all right, we have our own business. Right. But it's definitely it's our it's our goal is to get there mm-hmm. with our life. We get the house put down over there and and just start working for ourselves. You know, he likes working for himself. He enjoys right. that a lot. Yeah. Does he have weekends off? Does he have any time to kind of start that stuff? Or is it? It depends on the season with the power plants and the paper mill that he usually works at and stuff. Sometimes they have shutdowns. 
Mm -hmm. So his weekends usually get a little bit more busy right now. He's on a new construction site in Wilder, Kentucky. And so because this is a holiday, it was a fluke that he got to be home today. That's cool. I know that's why whenever you said that, I was like, I would love to, but at the same time, I'm not about to interrupt some family time because I know how precious that can be. That's why I scheduled it earlier in the day. Yeah. But we'll end up at the farm by the end of the day playing with the old yeah, old vehicles and the old tractors and stuff. Oh, fun. That's so cool. Right you guys can like do that together too. Oh, yeah. It's it's something that it's our family thing that we've made into now. <laughs> we just enjoy spending the time together. It keeps everybody together. Mm-hmm. I know. I just went to the county fair on Saturday to watch a friend's little girl. And I was telling her husband, also a family friend of ours, but... I was telling him that I love showing and I love FFA as an activity for kids because unlike a sport, it can be a family thing. And I just think that that's so, I just think it's unique and also just really cool to be able to do those things as a family for like for years, you know, and really be able to like, you know have them grow up and learn their responsibilities, but be able to do it together. We're big supporters of the 4-H and FFA. It's, uh, we feel like it's, it's, it's really good for the children. I told my husband, I said, well, each of the kids will show at least one fair cow. I, they don't have to do it again if they don't like it, but I want them to have to say that they had the experience to do it. Right. Right. And try it. They might love it. <laughs> I was and like, I, I did it forever. I got, well, that's it. I got into FFA big. I, I was officer. I was vice president my last year of high school. I did leadership conferences. I did speaking competitions, dairy judging competitions. I mean, that's I was. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and I'm sure some of that that you learned, I mean, a lot of the like hardest working people that I know have some type of background in ag and also you know, like FFA most of the time? I don't have a huge background in ag. I have to stress that. I was thrown into that. Oh, really? I grew up in Akron, Ohio. I grew up in the Okay. Okay. (laughs) When we moved, we moved, my mom was working construction and we moved to Georgetown, Ohio, which was far more rural. So talk about culture shock. (laughs) When I reached my high school, I was like, all right, I want to get to know this ag thing a little bit more. So I'm going to go into FFA. What better way than to just immerse myself into it? Like it was some sort of like foreign exchange program or something. <laughs> That's and I, like my first few months in, I got to learn how to kill and dress a chicken. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Talk about jumping in with both feet. I know. <laughs> Like that whole first year, I think everybody got quite a bit of a good kick out of the entire situation because we'd be like, there was, there was somebody that'll tell you a story while we were riding down the road and I saw a turkey for the first time, a wild turkey. <laughs> and I got excited about it. Oh my. <laughs> That's funny. They all enjoyed that. I didn't know the difference. I didn't know that there was a difference between a meat and a dairy cow. And I mean, they have fun with it. (laughs) That's amazing. There's always got to be one city slicker in the FFA program. That's funny. But I don't know. I feel like you were like made for the rural life. You seem so like natural in it. Well, when we moved, we moved to a farm. That was sort of where I was, I think from age 11 or 12 to now. Okay. 
And so I've been quite into it. And then moving to Kentucky was an even bigger culture shock because the areas that we live in, they're, they're super rural. Yeah. And I mean, there are still people that use the old washing machines, those really old vintage washing machines. Mm-hmm. There's people that still use those around here and outhouses. I have been reminded there are people that really, yes. How old were you? My husband didn't have indoor plumbing half his life. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's, this was even bigger. He calls me a transplanted nut because I moved from Ohio to here. He says, I'm a useless nut. I've been transplanted. <laughs> and it's just learning something totally different. The The atmosphere and the culture in Kentucky is totally different from what I'm used to. We like the idea of keeping the farm alive. And yes. because we firmly believe that, that farming is very important. Mm-hmm. Without farming, you don't have the things that, you know, your fruits, vegetables, your beans. Right. And we have no intentions of letting that diet, not like at least not with us. Yeah. Do you guys want to do it at a scale that's more for you and your family? Or are you guys wanting to do something more for the masses as far as farming and having beef cattle and things like that? It would depend on where we're at in that point in our life. Mm-hmm. Right now, my idea is just to have some cow-calf hairs and maybe a bull and start just a small herd. I'd like to have some feeder calves. Mm-hmm. It would just depend on what needs arise as we go. Talked about getting some turkeys or chicken sprays for me. At this point, the plans are more just to sustain us as a family. Right. It would just depend as the need arises, though. Right. Which I love that. I mean, I love it no matter how people hack it, you know. I'm always just curious. Okay, so I want to make sure people know about the caps. And I know you said you're, like, busy, so I don't know what all you want to talk about. But is there anything you, like, want people to know? I do, you know, all of my handmade. It's all all myself. I do it all. It takes about 30 minutes per cap, depending on whether or not I have to do the embroidery on it. Because I do add names and, like, locals or anything like that to them. I get a lot of those. And when the kids cooperate, so it can take anywhere from 30 minutes to even an hour to get one cap out. And so I'll find myself doing like 14 caps. It'll take me a whole day. Maybe. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Just to get get them done. And then I've got, you know, five or six orders. I've actually at this point got a list this long of people that are still waiting on their caps. Trying to get myself organized. And for the most part, I've been blessed with some really, really awesome patient customers. You get the one every now and again that that isn't quite so patient and nice about it, but it is what it is. I think our culture is so used to, I talked about this in last week's episode too, is like people want these like amazing products, but they want them now and they want them fast and they want them cheap. And I've told, like, that's what I was talking about last week is, you know, there's great products like handmade in the U.S., but you're going to have to be patient and you're going to have to pay the price because that's the reality of what it takes to make them. And so... Be one of my newer updates on my Facebook page is kind of, I'd like to sit down and either do just a video of me getting one cap done with the mm -hmm. time in the corner of it or something. Yeah. And let them see just the typical time, you know, because it's going to have Ed in, in there kind of getting in and trying to get into the middle of everything. You get these other people that come in that don't know that I'm chasing around children. I'm a stay-at-home mom, that this isn't my sole responsibility. Right. And so it's just a part of me just updating everybody and updating gets hard sometimes when I'm trying to keep up with everything else I'll forget to update (laughs) I think for the most part and like that's kind of if that's your narrative it's almost like 
that's fine if they don't want to wait because they're not your ideal customer because this is what this is for you. It's you're a stay at home mom and you also have a business and you're doing them both like simultaneously. And like that comes with needing customers that are willing, you know what I mean? Like I love buying stuff from stay at home moms because I love that they like made the choice to do that and that they get to do that. And I think it's thinking cool and like I'll wait on something, but some people just aren't ever going to be that patient just because they're like an impatient person. I'm glad that it's just taking off for you though. No matter how you end up deciding what you want to do, like, do you want to make it bigger? Do you want to keep it smaller? I'm just excited that it's kind of the balls in your court, you know? And I think that like, for a lot of handmade makers, like you worked a long time before you got to this point. And I'm just excited that like people are responding and that now it's in your court to make the decision to kind of give you back some of that freedom, which is probably the whole reason why, I mean, obviously you're passionate about it, but that was part of probably the reason why you started in the first place is to be able to... It was to take a little bit of pressure off of him. The the money helps offset what, you know, what his job brings in and it helps, it helps pay bills. And then it gives us a little bit of freedom to, you know, if he wants to take a weekend off, he doesn't have to go into work because it's not going to hurt us. Right. As we kind of wrap up, is there anything that you maybe if there's another stay at home mom or small business owner, maybe both or welder's wife? Is there anything you uh, leave with and tell that person? You know, the stay-at-home moms to remember to kind of take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. If they don't take care of themselves, they're not going to be able to take care of their family. Yeah. And I struggle with that immensely. I put everybody else before me because mm-hmm. I feel like that's my job. And sometimes I forget that I have to refill myself. Mm-hmm. If I don't refill myself, I will completely give myself to everybody else and suddenly I'm empty and I will have nothing left to give. Yeah. The, even the stay-at-home wives. I mean, despite having children, you still have so much to do. You need to make sure that you refill yourself because mm-hmm. if you continue to give yourself, eventually you're going to have nothing left. Right. Is there anything that you do that has like helped you with that, that you like are actively trying to do or have found that helps? It's weird, but I actually get myself up earlier than everybody else. I start my day an hour early before everybody else. My husband's usually out the door by five or so. Mm-hmm. And I'll start my day three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. And I get up and I make myself some coffee or some green tea or something depending on what level of caffeine I need that day. <laughs> Man, and if I was waking up that early, I don't drink coffee, but I feel like I would need caffeine. That's so well, early. A lot of it, coffee makes my heart race. So green tea is sort of my, it's my thing, but sometimes co- right. it just doesn't, I have to have a cup of coffee. Right. But I'll do that. And then I get his breakfast, start his breakfast and lunch packed and his truck started and get him ready. But before he gets up, I get a few minutes where I get to just kind of sit down and look at some things and just get myself prepared for the day. And I then he's out the door and then I have a few more minutes where I get to go get a bath and take care of myself before I get the kids up. And and so it's just finding little moments Mm -hmm. through the day to just kind of sit down and be myself for five minutes, even just five minutes. Like mentally reset and like get a like grasp on like what you have to do that day and like that type of thing. Get your mind right type thing. Yeah. I was doing that and then I quit doing it and I can definitely like having a solid morning routine, whether I start it before or after Austin 
like leaves home, I could tell so much of a difference in like my mental health. It does really help with that whenever I do it. It's just like actively getting to bed early enough or dealing with not sleeping as much, which is tough too, because I was getting to a point where I was keeping the routines, but I wasn't getting enough sleep. And then I realized how important sleep was. So that's a balance too, depending on like how late you're up into the night and stuff like that. That's a problem that we find because he gets home where he's working now. He doesn't get home until seven o'clock in the Mm. evening. And then my son has football practice three days out of the week. And those are from five to seven. So we're Mm -hmm. not getting in bed until almost 10 o'clock at night sometimes. Trying to find that balance. My daughter, she's right now at a point where she doesn't like to take naps. And so I've set to where I have to have a set routine. If my routine does not go right throughout the day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my whole day is shot. Yeah. It's probably not the healthiest way to rely on the routine that much, but it's how I manage myself. Mm -hmm. It's how I manage the depression. It's having that routine, getting up and being able to rely on what's coming next. Right. And trying to teach myself to have a little bit of flexibility at the same time. Yeah. I think that's what I've like always struggled with. But as far as routines go, like I've always just seen that my mental health and my productivity is the best whenever it's centered around routines. What throws me off is like if my routine gets thrown off. I'm getting better at giving myself the grace in the moment of like just flowing with whatever I need to do. But getting back on track into the routine is something that I really struggle with. My husband, I think he notices most when my routine gets thrown off because I'll be doing really good for a week or two or like the house will be really clean and I'll have dinner done on time and laundry's caught up and my caps are going well and then something just throws it and everything explodes and it takes two or three more weeks to get myself back in track. (laughs) I can relate to that so much. Oh my gosh. That literally sounds like me. It doesn't matter what it is either. Like if I toss and turn all night or if I get sick or if like there's like a family, you know what I mean? Like stress, Mm -hmm. just like mentally that you're thinking about or you have to make a big decision. Like it can be anything or like travel. That'll really do it for me. And I'm the same way. And it's like the process is the same every single time. Like I get off track and then stuff goes to, you know, what it goes to. (laughs) And then it's like, then I notice it and I get overwhelmed and I break down. And then I finally like put it back into place because I know it works. And I'm like, why can't I just get back on the bandwagon? Like as soon as, you know, like the next day or two, you know, that's the part that bothers me is I have this whole thing that I can even just name the the stages of it. It, You can just see me crash and burn right down to me, ended up crying all night long because I'm upset about something that doesn't even make any sense to be upset about. And then I climb right back up to where I'm supposed to be and I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I told Austin, like we were talking about, we went to this like summit thing. And one thing that they had you do was like your ideal day or whatever. And like how you feel like the healthiest and the best, like what type of life do you have to be living? And I told Austin then, I was like, you know, I think I just need to come to the conclusion that like I need right now, this season of my life, like I need to be going to therapy regularly because it helps me so much. Like I can drastically tell because even if I get off by the time, like if I have a pre-schedule appointment for like every week, then 
I can only be off for like six days, if that makes sense. Like if I fall off the day after the appointment, it's only going to be six days before somebody's going to be like, hey, how are you really doing or what's really going on? You know, and that's like a hard thing because I'm always like, oh, I feel better or we'll leave town. And so I'll just quit going. It's like finding those little things that like you either know are going to be triggers or that you can like see out to get yourself back before you have to go to the bottom of the hill, you know? Right. I actually just recently approached my pastor about trying to work through it instead of going to therapy, maybe mm-hmm. speaking to pastor, because I feel like a lot of it to me has a lot to do with what he can help me with. Yeah. And so we just recently approached him with about helping me. I, I've chosen not to go the medicine route to deal with the depression. I've chosen at this point, we really can't afford or manage for me to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. So the pastor is someone that I believe is going to be able to help me out. I think that's a great option. I mean, especially since like faith can be such a key player in that. I think it's a great place to start. And that's one thing I even struggled with, with like going to therapy is like, is the counselor or whoever going to understand that like that's a big part of who I am and that it needs to be a big part of like how I recover or like stay well. And I was luckily able to find somebody, but I know that a lot of people aren't. And so I think that that's great that you went to your pastor. I think that's a good idea for anybody. Being like my pastor, they're willing to sit down and just talk and just listen. Yeah. And yeah. He said that's what they're there for. Right. For sure. That's awesome. I love that. Well, I wishing you all the best with that because I just know, I don't know. I can't ever put it into words, but I just know how hard it is. And so I just have such a like special place in my heart and it, you know, it's hard to talk about, but it's also hard to know that like other people are going through it. Like it's almost comforting to know, but at the same time, like it's... You wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like I don't dislike anybody that much. I've never, you know, it's that bad. And so I'm just glad that you're finding help and that you have your husband to support you because even if they don't understand, that's nice to be able to have somebody that's, that knows you the most. Even just somebody to hug me and just tell me that it's okay. Even if I Mm -hmm. might not believe it at that moment. (laughs) Right. I know that's what I always tell Austin. Like whenever I'm in a better place, I'm like, I realize that I push you away like all the time, but like, I'm thankful that you've always been here. Like I need you to know that even though sometimes I don't act like it. <laughs> well, a really good example we had of all things, we had an argument over a banana peel last night. Love it. You know, it happens. <laughs> and I recognize that I probably took it way too far. <laughs> And, and that he sticks with me through the crazy. And we, we joke about that. You know, he, he sticks with me through the crazy. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't ask for somebody better. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's like, it was nice for me to just to be able to call it for what it is, like crazy, or it doesn't make sense or whatever. Like, it feels it's almost like it gives you a little bit of freedom from it whenever you finally just say, yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Or, yeah, I, you know, I don't know why. You know what I mean? Then you can kind of just own it and then try to, like, work through it. So, Ryan and I, we work best when we make humor out of something. And Mm -hmm. we'll we'll make make humor, we'll make light of it because it's how we deal with it. You know, 
my crazy one. I'm certified. I have papers. I have seen the inside of that hospital room. (laughs) I agree. We have some like videos on our channel of like bad things happening and we're laughing or maybe it's like a misfortunate thing and we're like laughing about it. And one time we were laughing, not at somebody else, but of their situation. Mm -hmm. And people were so frustrated by it. And I'm like, look, I'm sorry that you have zero sense of humor, but like having humor and being able to laugh at like the crud in life is the only reason I survived up until this point. I saw a post on Facebook. It made me giggle a little bit. When something bad happens in your life, just yell plot twist and go on. Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) That's so funny. have to find the humor in it because if you don't laugh about it, it will drive you crazy. Yeah. I mean, right down to three or four years ago, we put new tires on his truck. And that same day I was driving at home and the transmission fell out. And then, and then the transfer case went bad. And oh. It was just one thing after another and it was bad. And the only thing yeah. you can do is just laugh about it. Yeah. I had to... <laughs> Then like the starter was bad and we, we laughed about the fact that I had to get under his truck and it's a standard. I had to get under his truck and start it in the mornings with a screwdriver. <laughs> yes. In the winter. So like we had this permanent car piece of cardboard that he parked over so that you could slide up underneath the truck and start the truck. It terrified the hell out of me. <laughs> You know, those people have those like tennis balls hanging in their garage. So they pull up like a certain way. Oh, no, no, no. Out here, we pull over the cardboard. So we're ready for the next morning. to start. The I love that. But it's like, those are the stories. Like that's the stuff that just, I don't know. It's like the hardest things, but it is cliche as it is. Like that's what makes life like fun and interesting and like builds a relationship too. Yeah. I found that you just kind of have to roll with it. And sometimes I don't handle it very well. Sometimes I get incredibly stressed out and then I have to sit back and remind myself that no matter what, it has always worked out. Mm -hmm. And then we just, we try to find humor in it and we just, we go on. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, because you can't, I've taught myself that you can't just sit around and despite the fact, especially with depression, despite the fact that you want to just sit there and dwell on it and mope and cry. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have kids that need me and I have a husband that needs me and I can't let depression win. Right. And so finding the humor in the situation helps. Yeah, I agree. And it's almost like going back to that big why, like, you know, for you, you said like having your son changed your life and it's almost like reminding yourself, like whenever you're in that place of like, okay, like this changed my life. Like this, you know, that's whenever like I had, you know, a different view on life and like a different value for life. And like, that's what's important. And like, that's what I'm going to fight for. I feel like sometimes... That's where my life had been. I had been through some awful things and my faith in human beings as a whole was just non-existent. Mm-hmm. I didn't trust anybody. I I was living for myself. I had absolutely no faith in anything. Mm-hmm. I was just going to go. I was going to go as hard as I wanted to. And, you know, I really wanted to be a welder and I love being on the water. And so underwater welding made sense. And I got everybody telling me, oh, that's really, really hard on you. It shortened your lifespan. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> It's just me. What do I care? Right. (laughs) And then my son was born and it was like God just kind of going, all right, slow down. 
my son may never know that he was that catalyst that propelled me into a better direction, mm-hmm. but he was. Yeah. You know, when people talk about teenage mothers, they talk about mistakes or bad decisions. And I can't imagine at all ever using the word bad decision or mistake. Yeah. I, he was here for a reason. Right. Right. There was, there was no mistake. I can't even consider it a bad decision because. Right. It gave me him. So it had to have been a good decision. Right. It gave you him it, and it a new lease on life. Fair. Right. It was tough. It was a very hard road and sometimes it's still not easy, mm-hmm. but I'm perfectly happy with the way life has turned out. And so bad decision, it's not even a word that would come into that conversation. I love that. I just think that that is, you know, probably an eye opener to some people and some people are going to hear that and still roll their eyes, but I can see why. I don't know. I can just... Plus, no baby is ever a mistake. Like, and that's the crazy thing in which we don't, I don't ever want to like push religion or anything down anybody's throat. I'm not that type of person, but like what it takes to create and likelihood of a baby being conceived is so difficult that it was, like you said, it was by design and... It's just, that's the part that even as a mother wrapping my head around the fact that when my children are walking around the idea that I created that, yeah, (laughs) like I grew that inside of me is now walking around and talking and loving and hugging people and just doing these amazing things. And to me, I can't not see God's hand in that. Right. What are you reading, watching, or listening to? right now a show podcast is there anything you're just like obsessed with watching mash mash like the old school mash mash love it love that that is our nighttime routine we have hulu has all of the seasons and we're barely halfway through it we watch two or three episodes a night that's fun that's so fun what is your favorite place you've ever lived or visited kentucky i have not been outside of kentucky or ohio but kentucky is by far my most favorite place the landscape never ceases to amaze me okay so kentucky's your favorite what is your favorite quote verse or saying i generally say a lot of not my monkey not my circus it's my way of reminding myself that problems that people are bringing to me aren't Mm -hmm. my problems and that i can just brush it off and go on with my life (laughs) i love that i love that (laughs) thank you so much for being on and being so open and honest you were so up for doing this and i was like yay because i feel like we've been internet pals for so long (laughs) I don't drive. I sent him a screenshot. I said, she wants you to be on the podcast. And he watches you guys. And him and his buddy both watch you guys. Oh, and I, cool. was, I think I remember telling you about that. You had posted yeah. something. It was on one of the pages. And mm-hmm. I was like, I thought I recognized your voice. My husband's watching your videos. <laughs> yes, I remember that. I remember that. That's awesome. I love that. Well, thank you guys for watching and for being on here. And it's been so great to like get to have a more personal conversation. Cause like I said, what we've been following each other online for like a couple, has it been like a couple years? Maybe. Yeah. It's been back since like I used to be in those groups and I'm not as active in those groups anymore. So I know it's been a while. Well, Well, I appreciate you having me on here. Oh, of course. Is there 
like any like social media place that you would like people to know about as far as for the caps or otherwise? They just go check out birds caps on Facebook. Okay. I know you have a Facebook and an Instagram and I'll put everything in the show notes. So it's easy for people to find. And then the, you know, they, if they can find my Instagram easier, my link to my Facebook page is on my Instagram there too. Okay. Okay. Awesome. All right. So you guys can go follow along there. She's got some cute kids, a great husband. They do. I don't know. I love all the like tractors and everything. That's a whole nother conversation I'm sure. But I was just like, I gush over that stuff because I love it. Like I love anything old. So I know you oh, guys. We, we love them too. We do the old army trucks and everything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was looking on there. I was like, this is so cool. That is it for the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much to Brittany for being on the podcast. I loved getting to chat with her. We've been internet friends for so long. It was good to finally talk and have a more personal conversation. And I love just hearing how a mom that has kids at home, a husband at work, and another kid in school is just making it work. And how she doesn't have it all figured out, but she is like actively working on it. And she's already learned so many great things and tools that she's using. And so I hope you guys were able to take that away from this episode. I will talk to you guys next week. I hope this conversation found you right where you are. Join us to celebrate and support one another on the road to life well lived. You can join in more with our community by visiting industrialtradition.com slash subscribe, and we will send you over all the ways you can hang out with us during the week. I'll be back here same time next week for another episode. Now it's time to push back your seat and go live your industrial tradition. Industrial Tradition.